from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos postgame reaction podcast brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing as the Toronto Argonauts take down the Hamilton Tiger Cats 29-14. They dominate the Tiger Cats in just about every possible way. They sweep the season series 4 to nothing, and they didn't even play that well. That's the amazing thing. Before we get into our postgame recap, I want to tell you about something in the water brewing. JB, you and I got a chance to go down there today, spend some time with listeners, Argos fans, eat a couple hot dogs, uh, grab a beer. It was awesome to be able to get down there and see everybody, but also... We both got one of those longboat barrel mugs, so that'll be added to the collection. But yeah, great time down in Liberty Village. Yeah, it's terrific. It's always, it's always a blast. It's, it's a place has a great vibe, and it's uh, so close to the stadium. And uh, you know, hopefully, we we can get back there for another uh, you know Saturday evening game when the timing works out. It, you know, it's always a really good time, uh, and uh, you know, nice nice Argo positive vibe. Yeah, I know. So so many Argos fans there. A lot of you uh, getting those barrel mugs as well. You can still get those at Something in the Water. Make sure you pick one up with Colonel Troutman on there. I, I should have brought mine out for display purposes. I didn't. I've got I've got the can going on here, but I didn't bring up my barrel mug. Next time for our our pregame walkthrough this week. JB, how do you explain that the Argos didn't look particularly good today? and won by 15 points in a game that <laughs> Hamilton needed to win. It meant nothing to Toronto. Hamilton needed this game. Toronto mm-hmm. played badly and crushed them. Yeah, um, Toronto did everything they could to keep Hamilton in the game or to give them chances to make it close. And, you know, I mean, the Toronto defense, even though Hamilton put up a lot of yards, the Toronto defense was pretty dominant all game. Um, so... The offense started well, then kind of took the rest of the game off. Um, but Hamilton just did not seem to have any level of intensity to them at all. It was a very uh, dispirited Hamilton sideline, Hamilton team. I don't know why they didn't have more juice, uh, but they definitely did not. And, uh, you know, we're given like an ample chances to to try and get back in and they just never got within shouting distance of the Argos the whole game. This is an Argos podcast and so obviously we focus on the Argos more but I just want to take a second to talk about Hamilton because if I were a Hamilton Tiger Cat fan I would be outraged at the team. This game meant so much. Montreal had beat Calgary a few minutes before this game kicked off they knew they needed to stick around with Calgary. They got Ottawa breathing down their neck. Ottawa beat Saskatchewan yesterday. They needed this win. The game meant nothing at all to Toronto. If Hamilton had put up any kind of fight, they would have won the game today. Toronto wasn't, they, they looked flat. They looked like a team that just came off a really emotional division clinching win last week, which obviously they did. And they just weren't quite themselves today. And Hamilton came out, they showed a few different formations that I hadn't seen them run all season. But other than that, there was nothing. When they looked like they were going to run, they ran. When they looked like they were going to pass, they passed. They never went downfield. They barely targeted Tim White. I think he he ended up like he ended up at the end of the game with a few more targets, but he had three catches in this game. He had two targets at the half. What are they doing? What was, what was the plan here? I would be furious if I were a Hamilton Tiger Cat fan. 
Yeah, it was kind of a weird right from the beginning, even before the game started. Um, you know, when the teams are usually in the locker room, Hamilton was still like running 12s on the field, uh, you know, which is something I have recognized from my time where, you know, you're not quite ready for the game and you're using this time to practice a few things. I thought that was really odd uh, that they were still running plays right up until uh, basically the opening whistle. And uh, and then they came out. They did not look like a team that believed they could win, and they were correct. <laughs> I know, I know. They they did not. They like Toronto scored sixteen points in like the first ten minutes of the game, and that was it. It was it, it was over. Yeah, they could have. It could have been twenty four. It, it could have been forty by the time they got to yeah. the half. But they just they you know threw away opportunities. They just didn't seem that. I just no, yeah. That Toronto easily, Toronto easily could have been up thirty-five nothing at the half. Yeah, and uh, you know, a couple guys came to play for Hamilton, like Keandre Smith. I thought had a really good game. Um, I say a couple. Now I'm struggling after that. Like defensively, they had you know they had a, a couple guys play pretty well too, but they just did not look like a team that was desperate for a win. This looked to me a lot like they absorbed the the energy from like the Argos or, or sort of mirrored the energy the Argos had instead of getting to a next level. They just kind of settled down into this like malaise and uh, and could never get it going. But I, I never felt for a, a second that this would end up with anything other than a Toronto win. Right from that opening drive, Toronto took the ball. They drove down the field, kicked a short field goal, went up 3-0. There was never a moment where I'm like, oh, this might actually be a game. It just didn't happen. It didn't have time to. They get a pick six after that. Wendy McManus read that beautifully. We've seen him make that exact same play several times. Going back to TD Atlantic last year, it's the same thing. He's reading the quarterback's eyes. He's kind of scraping across. And then he sees the quarterback go into his windup, breaks on the ball. And that was the play here. Uh, Powell had a hook. He looked it off, saw a dig route coming in behind it, thought it was wide open, forgot all about went to McManus and he took it to the house. He almost had two in this game. Uh, he was on fire tonight. It's great to see like Winton really kind of coming into form uh, down the stretch of the season because he's he's a huge, huge player for Toronto. Yeah, he played he, he played like last year, Winton, um, you know, in the way he took over the game uh, and the and, you know, the defense clearly fed off his energy. Uh, not to pile too much onto Hamilton, uh, but I was surprised that so few Hamilton fans came to BMO. Um, I know that uh, that they don't always travel well, but it really could not be easier to to get to BMO from Hamilton. And for a game they really needed, uh, there were almost no Hamilton fans in the crowd. I was I was surprised at 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 how. Uh, and how few there were. Yeah, there was a contingent behind the Hamilton bench, and that was about it. It was yeah. It was usually, very... there's usually it's more like maybe you know, it's never overwhelming, but usually there's at least a third. You know, you, they at least you can when they when Hamilton does well, you can hear the cheer, and it just just wasn't the case tonight. Yeah, they had nothing, and and maybe they, you know, maybe they knew. Maybe they've seen this team enough, and they're like, "This, I'm not going all the way down there to to watch them get their hats handed to them." But uh, I don't know. I just I didn't foresee. Like I thought this was going to be a close game coming in. We both thought this would be a tight one coming down. You know, that yeah. might come down to the last possession. And man, we were off. Like we we got we got the Argos right. We felt like they might be a little flat. We felt like they might 
leave something out there, but I did not foresee this lack of effort, lack of creativity. I, I would be mad at the coaches. I'd be mad at the players. Did you think, do you think Hamilton should have made a change at quarterback? Uh, I, I thought for sure they were going to make a change at quarterback. It, it, it didn't make any sense to me in a game that they absolutely uh, needed to win that they were not pulling out more stops. They just, you know, I just, I, I honestly kept triple checking. I was like, that must be a new quarterback. They must have brought in Schultz and, uh, and they just didn't, they didn't, um, you know, like they just did not um, really try anything. Um, you know, uh, James Butler, uh, I believe um, left the game at some point and never returned uh, emotionally, if not physically. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I, again, you know, White, who they were concerned about, you know, they just, they they look like a team, from from my perspective, they look like a team. I've, I've seen that look on teams' faces before where you had a couple of plays and the defense were all over them and there's a sense of dejection. And they look like a team that uh, was not ready for Toronto's game plan and felt outgunned um, because they just weren't weren't able. But what they thought they were going to be able to do to surprise Toronto did not work, and uh, and so they just seemed um, despondent the whole game. I guess is kind of the best way to put it. They. The thing is, you say, like, not ready for Toronto's game plan. Like, what was Toronto's game plan? It was pretty <laughs> vanilla. Like, Coach Mace yeah. is usually very creative. He didn't put much out there at all. They blitzed a lot early, but it wasn't risk-taking blitzes. These were clean-up blitzes. They were run blitzes. They, they you know, hurried a few throws. But it wasn't like they were coming after the quarterback on every snap. They weren't playing complex coverage. They were dropping into two, three, and four and not disguising it particularly well. They got a lot of new pieces that were being run out there, too. So I just don't know, like, if you're not ready for that, like, if you can't, if you can't be ready for a, a base cover two, and even a few plays where, like, like Powell ran a simulated snap, Toronto showed their hand early. You see, oh, it's it's cover two. And then he came out and, and threw a quick ball into the flats that was immediately broken up by the flats defender. I, I didn't, I didn't get any of that. And yeah, it's, it's a mystery to me. Butler hasn't done well against the Argos this year. Um, quarterbacks have had some games with yards. like And Powell did end up with 334 yards. But remember, they're getting a couple extra drives, really, because Toronto had the score on defense, plus they had the almost score on defense where they started from the four-yard line. So those are pretty quick possessions. So Hamilton ran a lot of plays. They passed the ball 42 times, uh, ran for about 20, 20 more plays. So like they, they had offensive plays. So that's why the yards are there. But yeah, that was that was well, not. Hopefully, I, I, hopefully this brings to an end our long national nightmare of Toronto playing Hamilton. And we can take at least a eight month break from seeing the Tiger Cats. That is that is my wish. I believe and I'm not 100 percent on this, but I believe Toronto is now 10 and 2 against the Tiger Cats since the <laughs> shutdown know. in 2020. But just way too many times for two teams to play each other. Is a lot of times to Including play each other. And then you got to add preseason in there. All right. But so let's, you know, let's get, well, let's, well, let's wrap this up and we'll, uh, we'll carry on to more interesting things yes. next week. Yes. No, well, so um, a couple things. The, the second pick by McManus I want to talk about uh, as we got into the second half at, at Toronto, Again, they're they're up 16-3 after one quarter. They 
extend their lead by scoring four points in the second. Like it was so pedestrian, but Hamilton only scored one point in the second. So they go into half 20 to four. And I felt like we might see Cam Dukes or Brian Scott if Toronto could come out and put points on the board early. They did that. They went up at that point 27-4. I would have brought Dukes or Scott in. Uh, Was Coach Dinwiddie right in keeping Chad Kelly out there? Would you have brought in another quarterback? Um, yeah, uh, I would have, I, I think I would leave Kelly in. I think you, I think you, you leave Kelly in. I think reps are useful to him. Um, it wasn't a game, even though he took some hits, it wasn't a game where you weren't protecting him or it felt dangerous for him to be there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I come from cheering for an NFL team whose quarterback never came out of the game for 20 years. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem odd to me that they want him to have all the snaps and, and to keep, you know, to keep playing out there. And I, I, I don't think the backup quarterback is currently in the room. So maybe they feel the same way. See, I do. And I feel like you need those stats, but I think they'll come later. I'm okay with it because there's still five more games where they are going to get opportunities. Like that last game of the season against Ottawa is going to be for, you know, probably a half for Scott, a half for Dukes. But I, I wouldn't mind there being one other opportunity somewhere along the way. But we'll see. He did take some hits. What did you think? There, I have some... I, I'm not complaining about the officiating because I don't think it changed the game at all here. It didn't really matter in the outcome of things. But there were some calls I didn't get today. The The fact that Chad Kelly seemed to get hit by Simone Lawrence in the helmet, I didn't think it was intentional. Simone's not trying to hit him in the head. Um, and it wasn't, you know, he wasn't hurt on the play or anything like that. There's no way that can't be a penalty, though. We've seen that called again and again and again. And Coach Dinwiddie rightfully challenged that. And I think he's now 0 for 3 on challenges for the season. He may just never challenge a play again because if you can't win this one, how can you, like, how was that not a, no, it, a it, hit to the head? Yeah, it, it makes no, that, that's, as far as I could see, that's basically central command uh, refereeing by the score and, and looking at a team that was up big and and giving Hamilton another shot because a helmet being hit by hand is a penalty you can disagree with it certainly I do I'm I'm all for that not being a penalty me too but, but it is that it is the rule and they don't seem to be concerned about precedent they just seem to make decisions based on I'm not sure what but uh uh, you know what I would love to see, although the, you know, I would love to see the Rugby World Cup style where the referee's conversation with the booth above is televised. Right. And they hear the every booth, word. Yeah. And the booth above gives their explanation. I mean, I don't I don't see any reason why that can't be transparent. Why, why does the league, unless the league is going to have a press conference and have their, their head of referee explain all the decisions after each week. I don't see why there isn't transparency there. They, I mean, what are they hiding? So I would, I would love to see way more transparency with the decisions that are made centrally, which I think is only fair. I would love that too. That will not happen. I would love that. That is a great idea though. But I, I don't think there's any way. Like, can you imagine either the CFL or the NFL saying, well, yeah, I let's, mean, let's put people in. The NFL will, will defend. Like they, they would send out their head of referees to the broadcast to, to talk about things. I, I think, 
you know, I think there is a, it doesn't have to be live at the time, but I do think at some point, you know, the NBA has their two minute report. Like at some point there has to be some accountability to decisions which are made, you know, as to explain, well, why did you do that? Not just, well, that's just how it is. And we're central command, like, uh, like, have you become force. a runner? Like, that's the only thing I could think about. But he wasn't, I don't think he was past the line of scrimmage. No, uh, I, I think they're just recalling the score. I think Toronto was so up weird. big. And it's, they, it's two questions. Was that the quarterback? Felt, like, yes. Did he get hit in the head? Right. Yes. Uh, and, and I agree. It was a ticky-tack penalty. Yes. But that's the rule. Then, right. then change the rule. Right. And that's the thing. Like, you should, like, that shouldn't really be a penalty, probably. And I'm, I'm all for defending quarterbacks. That wasn't an aggressive hit to the head, but he did hit him in the head with his hand. And we've seen that called many times. That shouldn't be a penalty. It is, though, in the rule book, call it like the rules. And then what about the no yards? Like, is that just my angle from the broadcast (laughs) booth? I thought it was. Yeah, weird. There were definitely, there were definitely a couple of times where, you know, I'm not sure the crew is okay. I mean, there were definitely some. Clearly, there seemed to be no. I don't know. I thought maybe the league was, you know, mentioned to people. Maybe you'd stop giving free no yards penalties every time there's a punt. Maybe, uh, which was definitely felt like the case early in the season. Is basically every punt got an extra fifteen yards. Um, but yeah, there there were some definite no yards that weren't called and some some pretty uh, generous uh, spots. But uh, I don't I don't think any of it. Uh, you know, there's just more cocktail talk i don't i don't think any of it had any impact on uh on this battle how about that flea flicker hamilton ran where Ugh. two of the receivers didn't even know it was a flea flicker and powell Oof. threw it right to mcmanus's face without, <laughs> there's nobody so there's nobody near like so oh my goodness like I'm, again i'm back to like i mean at least it showed a bit of desperation that's the good thing like you called a flea flicker desperation that no but it like, looked like a flea flicker maybe they haven't practiced since june or something like it, you had yeah. two receivers stock blocking down the field it, powell got the bad. ball back there's no one to throw to and so he just seemed to throw it right to to winton um just a bad kind of desperation yeah um Okay, couple uh, quick thoughts. Deontay McMahon, what did you see from him today? He got yeah. 12, 12 carries, forty three yards, <laughs> couple well, receptions. Well, I was, I was having a conversation with somebody because he started with that little uh, like quick pass. I'm like, wow, that's great. That's exactly what you want. With the Argos, don't have somebody like that in space, um, quick, um, you know, twitchy, able to move around, uh, kind of hold defenses accountable so they can't rush because, you know, you can screen with him. But I said, but I don't think he's a 12 to 15 carry guy. And then the Argos proceeded to feed him the ball um, a lot, which was surprising. I I, I think I stand by my original statement that I I love him in the screen game. I love him in the swing pass. Um, I the jet seemed to kind of outlive its usefulness by by the second half uh, but i i do think he he gives them a nice um you know uh expanded selection of plays if you put him in there with aj um but yeah i you know they didn't do a lot of pass pro with him and and i don't think running up the middle is him but he does give you a touchdown threat every time he touches the ball which they don't have anybody in the team like that. I mean, Leak, not really at running back. So he is, he is dangerous. Defenses will definitely, you know, it definitely gives defenses something else they have to practice if if they start working him in, in the screen game. 
There was one play in particular where he really drew attention. So it was it was pretty late in the game. I, I think it was the fourth quarter. And McMahon widened out and he went way out to the far side. He became the, the furthest wide out. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats shifted their secondary over because he was way out there. They felt like a screen was coming to him, like a quick screen. And it was, but they had it mirrored to both sides. So you had one down to Brissett on the other side, McMahon on the top, and Chad just had to choose which was better. He saw the shift, and so he went to his left to Brissett, and they ended up getting a, a nice play out of it. But that was that's the attention. Like this is this is a kid's second game. He's a true rookie out of McNeese, uh, and comes in here and gets that kind of attention from the Hamilton yeah, secondary. I, I was I was Oof. really like I thought like he was probably a little overused for how I would use him. But yeah. I think what he flashed was great, and I think they're probably going to continue working you know on the return game with him as well. But yeah, he looked, you know, he showed what we saw in camp, um, you know, game-breaking speed faster than anybody on the team. But it was like they went through a, a checklist of plays, like, so they were like, okay, we got him a counter, we got him a power, he got a zone, a outside zone, a jet. Like, he got one of everything, uh, just so they had film of him running all those things. I can take a look at yeah, it and see what they can fix. Yeah, many of those were not... I think really what he's built for, but no, that's all right. no, the middle runs aren't him, but you know, they wanted to see how it was out had a couple carries. I thought he looked really good on one, that one he ran for seven yards and he uh, juked a guy, carried another guy on his back. I thought that was pretty good. I would like to have seen him used a little bit more because he's more durable. He's got those massive legs. He has to buy custom shorts because his quads are so big. <laughs> like this, who, who has to buy custom shorts because their quads are so big out squats so much that he has to get custom shorts that that's a guy you want running up the middle that's your thunder and then mcmahon's the lightning to the outside but uh they didn't use him as much as i was i was hoping not great in pass protection today from those two guys we talked pre-game like we wanted to see that and um look like out of a boy missed a, a block in which chad took a, a hit in that first quarter mcmahon wasn't really given opportunities the one opportunity he had he double teamed where it wasn't needed and then leaked out i i probably would have run that differently so i don't think those guys will be graded very well for for their pass pro and that still needs to pick up but that's the hardest thing a running back does and those are young players that will come uh jb a couple plays that i want to talk about uh and then we got to get our our players of the game etc play of the game that touchdown to the long touchdown to Brissett was so well blocked. It was such a dime of a throw. It was about 70 yards downfield. Um, that was Chad Kelly. Like it felt like the frustration that he's felt in some of these man coverage matchups where guys just aren't open. It felt like he, he just put everything into that ball. There were two high safeties at the start of that play. Have you ever seen a completed pass to an outside receiver on a post when there are two high two high <laughs> safeties that are looking for that and both came in? Like, if you're running out of the slot, you run a post route between the two safeties, that's one thing. He went around and over top. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That was such a, a bomb from Chad Kelly. Yeah, it, it, uh, you know, he, he definitely... Um has that one play touchdown feel and he certainly does love the one play touchdown play uh, <laughs> um you it, it, it the team won and the team played well um sometimes i write in my notebook should we talk about chad um because they <laughs> but w- what can you say i mean it seems to be working so far but uh 
yeah, there definitely are times where he is he he seems a little too quick to try and to try and do the one dagger punch, but uh, you can't you can't argue with the results, and that was a gorgeous throw. And 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 he and Brissette have a nice little chemistry that uh, that he never really developed with Curly Gittens. Yeah, they do. Like he and he and Brissette, he and Neil. These are this is from and Coxie too. Like that's the second team from last year. That's why yeah. Chad's so in tune with those guys. And we saw like Rajay Johnson. We had hoped might have a big game today. He just had one catch for seventeen yards. He didn't have chemistry. Like a couple times he targeted Rajay, and they just weren't on the same page. There was one in the end zone. There was a dig route that got picked. That it just wasn't it wasn't right. And that's just a lack of spending time together on the on the practice field. Whereas he had a whole year with most of the rest of these guys on the practice field. Are you worried at all about those those picks? Like that the one pick, uh, was it JV and Elliott picked it in the end zone? Should have been a touchdown to Devaris Daniels. Devaris had a double move, completely loses Elliott. Elliott has to speed turn out of there. Chad just tried to like float it in, but he underthrew it by about ten yards and Elliott was able to yeah. come back and pick I- it. I don't know how to feel. Like, I mean, I think both picks were terrible. And there were definitely other deep throws which were terrible <laughs> into, you know, into coverage. Um, again, sort of bored Madden style. Um, but maybe he was just literally bored with Hamilton. <laughs> and I guess maybe. I would be more concerned if if I saw that, I mean, we'll see what the Winnipeg game is. I hope that that's an actual game where the teams are competing. Um, you know, maybe he can keep that part of him in check a little more against a tougher team. But yeah, the, I mean, the, he threw two really bad interceptions, so that's not that's not great. But but he definitely threw some some really nice balls too. I haven't seen a replay of that first interception. It looked I thought the ball was tipped at the line, but I didn't really get a good angle I, I, on where yeah, it was going. I mean, it might have been tipped, but like I, I think it was more like it didn't look like it fluttered much. I mean, he I think he just did not see the linebacker. Uh, any concern about the fact that Keandre Smith caught nine balls <laughs> for 5,000 yards against uh, the Argos? Like that was a bit uh, weird. It was super weird. I mean, if they want, I'm sure they wanted to control White, and for whatever reason, it seemed to work. And you know, their option two that they went to, you know, went bananas. But you know, as a defensive coordinator, if 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 their you know third option goes bananas, I think you you just have to take that as a win and and know that that's probably not a very sustainable. Um, problem that you'll have to deal with. He just, for whatever reason, you know, like Mayer just played out of his mind for a game, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't enough any more than the Calgary guy, you know, um, who, who up 245 yards in receiving that game. Um, you know, they, they, they seem to have that where there's like, we're going to stop three of four things. And that fourth guy is going to go bananas, but that's not enough to lose. It's, it does feel like that because they yeah, did take away white. Fine. I mean, it's like, okay, great. I, I, I salute that philosophy. Worries about injuries. We saw a few guys go down. I think most seem like they're going to be okay. So like Winton McManus went out first, got his ankle kind of retaped and, and seemed, and then I think he played great after that. So I'm not really worried about him. He may get a couple of rest days, but I'm not really worried about him. Oakman, uh, that one looked scary at first, and then he seemed to be able to shake it off. Maybe just a stinger. He got back out there. Uh, the one I'm concerned about is Jamal Peters. So he he got hurt in the first half. It's hard to say what happened. I don't know if he like hyperextended his elbow or maybe 
had his shoulder like slip out or something like that or you know it looked like an arm or shoulder injury he reached out to try and tackle butler knocked the ball free but really had his arms stretched out um, it could be peck even I, like who knows but he yeah it could be peck he, he didn't look in, like it didn't look like shoulder when he was coming off the field usually you get that kind of like the dead, dead arm. arm yeah no he didn't look like that so i'm not sure what that is maybe it is peck but that's yeah that's that's a tough one he stayed in in gear he went into the to the tent stayed in uniform but then at halftime he came back out in civvies and so he wasn't going back in they're starting to get really thin in the defensive backfield. And I know Carnell and Priester are at some point, hopefully, fingers crossed, barring setbacks, going to return to the team. But you can't really afford to lose Jamal Peters now. They're already without Robertson Daniel, without Deshaun Amos. Uh, Peters was replaced by Jamie Harry, uh, signed back at the end of August. And he looked really tentative out there. He's a better player than what I think he looked today, but he was really giving cushion. And I think a lot of the yards that Keandre Smith got today were against Harry, where he ran a, a couple of deep comebacks and deep hooks. And that matchup, Hamilton seemed to go to a lot in the second half. That makes sense. But I think a lot of those, those Smith yards were one-on-one against him. So... I'm a little worried about that going forward. I, I think it's not urgent because the games don't matter and they're still winning. But at some point, they're going to need another halfback or another corner. And it's probably going to have to be Carnell or Priester uh, coming off the, the injured list. So hopefully those guys are getting close to, to ready to go. I would sit Jamal Peters next week regardless. He may have to. Who knows? He may have to go in the sixth game. We don't know. It might just be nothing. But I, I think if he's banged up at all i think anyone banged up at all sit him no sense in in risking further injury uh jb let's get to players of the game uh to me there's two guys that stand out i'll let you go first and i will pick the other guy well i i mean i could have said pick it again but that seems a bit monotonous um but I, you know, I'm I'm definitely down for banging the drum for. Uh, oh, speaking of banging the drum, what an amazing halftime show! Amazing, yeah. They had a, a, a world champion ring dancer. Um, the, yeah, yeah. The the, oh. uh, the um the clothing and the the decorative wear that uh, that the dancers had were amazing. Yeah. It was yeah, it was definitely the best halftime show of the year for sure um, that I've seen. Yeah, and, no, for sure. And then they're they're also doing the the auction of the jerseys, um, which I thought was amazing. So it was good. I know we've talked about our hope that they would do an indigenous theme night, and um, I think it's a good start. There's maybe some other things they could play around with it, but I I thought it was uh, a really very very tasteful, very um, supportive uh, evening. And I just yeah wanted to shout that out because it was uh, yeah no yeah, great it was, great it was very well done. Uh, so my defensive player after all that um, preamble. If my player of the game is Winton McManus, you know, shout out 2022. Uh, many times we chose him. He was 2022 McManus. He was a uh, a hammer the entire game, you know, just as they say, a bad man. He was just brought um, his, his violence in his hits in terms of in intimidation, um, he almost had two pick sixes, but give him, you know, another couple of yards, two pick sixes in the same game. Uh, he was all over the field. He, you know, he, he, he did not come out flat. He came out and put his stamp on Hamilton. 
he was responsible for like I know his tackles weren't necessarily up there. I think he finished the game with six tackles, two picks. He was largely responsible for Butler's lack of success on the ground game. He had him like shadowed. He was watching him out of the backfield, found a way to to shed blocks, would scrape along, attack at the right point. It wasn't always him who made the tackle, but he often made Butler cut back in the other direction and everyone else would finish it off. Um, yeah, no, he was he was fantastic and uh, and just uh, deadly in coverage. Watching Powell's eyes, that's one area I think. Like you and I both liked Powell coming into this game. This was not one of his better games. No, and, and I think one of the things he's got to fix is he did he did indicate where he was going with the ball a lot. And McManus obviously had seen that coming in and took full advantage of that. So yeah, very worthy player of the game for sure. Uh, for me. Uh, I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Dejan Brissett. What a game Brissett had. Uh, Hoagie and I in the broadcast were hoping that he would get one more catch for a couple of yards because he ended up with 98 yards. It would have been amazing to get him to that 100-yard mark just to be able to celebrate that. Six catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. 100 would be that much better. We were even like during the kneel downs. We're like, just, just throw it out to Brissett for five yards. And, uh, and get him over 100. But what a game. Uh, to, ha- to be targeted seven times, to catch six of those, two of them for touchdowns, very different touchdowns, one on a deep post, one on a sort of scramble drill in the end zone. Then that was a nice Chad Kelly play too, right? He broke the pocket, rolled out to his right, had the option to run it in, probably would have taken a hit near the goal line. Instead, waits it out, finds Brissett for the touchdown. He shed his guy. Uh, it was after about six seconds of trying to cover Brissett. He's just such a, a beast in the end zone. And something about Hamilton, he just picks up his game. He's been he's been great against Hamilton. So um, something to, to shelve away if these two teams are going to meet again. What was your play of the game? Uh, my play of the game came late in the fourth quarter when uh, Jason the Argonaut came out and rode a inflatable tiger around the entire stadium. <laughs> that was the play of the game for me. I thought he showed incredible bravery riding it behind the Hamilton bench. Um, and I thought that his petting and his dancing that he did with his tiny little legs riding the tiger. If you have not seen it on the broadcast, do yourself a favor and find it. Uh, it was a spectacular um, job by Game Ops. So I, I salute them. And that was my play of the game for sure. It was so funny. I saw him try it out in pregame. He brought it out in the field and ran around the field. I'm like, oh my I, goodness. I did not. I, that was the first time I saw it. I couldn't believe it. I, I did a, you know, I really did a double take. I, I thought it was uh pretty yeah i I mean amazing amazing that they thought of it amazing that they pulled it off amazing that they wrote it around the hamilton uh sideline it's it's a custom piece (laughs) like it is like jason's legs are painted onto it right it's not every worth every penny absolutely uh, spectacular and that was one of two costumes they also fully embraced the uh mjolnir thor and thor's hammer um celebration from the last time the argos and tycats played Jason came out with the with the Thor hammer and with a full like cape and and Thor's hair coming out the back of his helmet as well, and then they gave the the hammer to AJ who was not dressed for this game. He was just in civvies, and so he held up the hammer for photos. He and Jason posed with the hammer together, and they even had a Thor cam on the jumbotron where it was a sort of superimposed cape 
hair and hammer and they went around the stadium to different fans and superimposed their faces into the giant uh, Thor cam. So yeah, that's yeah, a I mean, that's a touchdown celebration that went a long yeah, way. Yeah, if I were to evaluate, I guess Jason, he, you know, he had a very strong finish. There were some issues earlier with some not explaining of the rules for some of the games, and then his drumming pattern was very weak. But uh, there were definitely some other highlights that he had where he really he really stepped up his game tonight. So there you go, player of the game, Jason, or play of the game from Jason. Thank you for uh, that entertainment. My play of the game, I'm going to go with an actual football play. I just think <laughs> it was, I think it was the first pick for Wendy McManus. That pick six, it was over. It was just, that was it. It was done. We were five minutes into the game and the game was over. It was, it was 10. And hours. it was an amazing return. The Hamilton guy was lined up on the goal line. He was going to try and hammer uh, Winton and Winton just dove over top of him. It was, it was such a deflating pick. And then he just kind of ran around the whole team. Um, it was as, yeah, I think it was as, as, embarrassing a, a pick six as you could have yeah and and uh and it was well blocked by the team as well like how many times do you see a flag on a play like that like a long return like that you've got defensive guys that they're blocking someone hits in the back someone holds someone does something nothing it was a clean return and then Winton just wasn't going to let himself be stopped at the goal line went super manning into the end zone and that was it that was that was game at that point I felt like I felt like that was that was the end of the game. It didn't feel like and and it was, right? Like Hamilton Hamilton got Toronto got more points in the first quarter than Hamilton scored for the entire game. And and it felt over at that point. So for me that's the play of the game. Yeah, and also, you know, shout out right one thing, shout out uh, the special teams kick return uh unit kept it under 20. Uh well done to them. My one thing did not come through. I wanted one hit for Chad Kelly. He got he got blasted a few times. Not <laughs> not like six or seven, but he took a few hits. One of them was on the Brissett touchdown, but that's of his own accord. Like he he slid once in the game, but there were a few times where I'm like, just get down, throw the ball away. Like this doesn't matter right now. Do not take hits. And he got thrown to the ground and hit a couple times really hard. So I, I think Dinwiddie might Talk to him a little bit more about that, but it clearly got through because in the second half was the only time we saw Chad slide. So obviously that was brought up at halftime. But yeah, I want to see more of that from Chad Kelly going forward. JB, we've we've got a, a big uh, podcast to set up for for our pregame walkthrough this week because Winnipeg is up next, and there are still people around the CFL that believe Winnipeg is the best team in this in this football league. Uh, we'll have we'll have a lot to say about that coming up and what the Argos should do, how they should approach this game against uh, one of the other powerhouses in the CFL. Do they go all in and try and beat them? Do they show them nothing? We'll discuss that on our pregame walkthrough midweek. That will just about do it for us on this post-game reaction episode of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Together fight the foe, foe, foe.